It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, JT back with you. Hour number two of the show. Vinny Bonsignor will join us in a few minutes. As we close the chapter on Derek Carr as the quarterback of the Silver and Black, and we speculate on what's going to happen next. The Kansas City Chiefs parade is going on as we speak. I have no interest in that. I had an interest in the Super Bowl. I spent two days recapping the Super Bowl. I might have a little bit of sound if something fun comes out of it or something crazy, but I'm not covering the Super Bowl. I cover the Raiders. Kansas City's having their parade now. And it's a big one, and, you know, they win another Super Bowl next year. They're a dynasty. They win their third in five years. They're a dynasty. They win two in four years and three in over 50 years. We can, we can tap the brakes on that in a little bit. All right, Vinny joins us from Vegas Nation right here on our flagship station, Raider Nation Radio, Las Vegas Review Journal. And, Vinny, I thought today we'd put a, a cap on Derek Carr here and wrap up his career and legacy with the silver and black. There were many good things that he did along the way. He lost more games than he won. You and I wish him well, but big picture on the end of Derek Carr in Las Vegas. How have you been framing it? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he was, he was uh, uh, obviously a lot of individual uh, type stuff. Um, you know, the career leader in touchdown passes and completions and, uh, you know, those types of things and fourth quarter comebacks, you know, but ultimately, and unfortunately for him, and, and a lot of this was out of his control, you know, when you look at the overall record, it just wasn't uh, very good. You know, two playoff appearances, he only played in one playoff game in nine years, uh, did not get a win in that, in that game. Um, and, then, and again, you, you walk a, there's a little bit of a balancing act because, um, you know, some of that was out of his control in terms of the coaching changes and, you know, uh, roster changes and, and everything that, that, that happened while he was here. Uh, but you have to encompass all of it, you know, uh, the individual uh, type statistics, but also the team type statistics. And unfortunately, um, he was the face of a lot of losing uh, here. But I think once the dust settles and years go on, uh, he'll, he'll be thought of, um, you know, in the context that, that he played. And, and you know, uh, people will understand some of the reasons why the success wasn't there on the field. Uh, but, but that's just sort of how he's going to always be remembered. Uh, Vinny, what did you think he dealt with this past season with trying to get the offense going? The blown leads is one thing. The defense keeping him in some games. The interceptions. I thought more lack of mobility than I've ever seen from him, which was surprising because I think he knew he had a one-year deal. And he would impress more people if he ran for more first downs. So what about the demand of the playbook under Josh McDaniels and how he handled it or not? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think the uh, the playbook itself, um, you know, uh, had, had much to do with, you know, the success or, or non-success this past season. Uh, I know he was dealing with, um, you know, there was a back injury, uh, and, and so I think that affected some of the mobility. You know, but when you get right down to it, he just wasn't that kind of a quarterback. He wasn't a mobile quarterback. Uh, he could run a little bit, you know, when, when pressed into it, and I know a lot of people complain that he didn't run uh, as as much as they maybe they had wanted him to, but you know, uh, I, I, I talked about this earlier today and on our show. 
you know, uh, some guys are just who they are. You can't expect Draymond Green to be Steph Curry and Steph Curry to be Draymond Green. I know that's two different positions, um, and I'm not comparing, you know, Derek Carr to Steph Curry or Draymond Green, but, you know, there are quarterbacks that are comfortable doing those types of things, and there's quarterbacks that aren't comfortable doing those types of things, and he was uh, part of the latter group. Um, so you needed to protect him and protect him well, and when he sat back there in the pocket and, and got time to throw, uh, he could be successful. You know, there are other times when, it, when you know, under duress, he didn't handle those things uh, quite as well. And I think that that's something that, you know, uh, moving forward, the Raiders are going to look for a quarterback uh, that, 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 that can, you know, manage those types of situations a little bit better, better than Derek did. Vinny Bonsignor joins us, our teammate here on Raider Nation Radio. So, Vinny, I broke down in my monologue the four categories I think we need to talk about here for a few minutes each on each available position for the quarterback who could be available. I'm going to start with Aaron Rodgers, and you've looked at the numbers, and I think our listeners need to know on how much money the Raiders cleared with Carr, what they have in cap space, and how the money would match up, because we both believe they can make it happen financially and still have money to sign their draft picks and get free agent uh, free agents to walk in the door, but walk me through it specifically on the finances on how you believe Dave Ziegler could pull off Aaron Rodgers if he wants to. Yeah, um, well, first and foremost, uh, at the time of the trade, the Raiders would have to have $60 million under the cap to be able to accommodate the contract that would be coming uh, over and the stipulations that are in that contract. Don't freak out. Uh, that shouldn't be hard to do if they were to uh, trade for, for, for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so that would be first and foremost. But then his contract, um, and he's already talked about this, Aaron Rodgers has, uh, that, that he understands that he's going to have to do something about the contract, all right? There's a $60 million uh, roster bonus, I guess they're calling it, um, uh, that, that gets executed uh, after March. I think it's after March 17th and then, and then beyond. Um, so th- that's $60 million in cash. The good thing about that is if you prorate it over the next five years, it only means $15 million on your, on your salary cap. That's the good thing. Uh, but he also understands that it's hard-pressed to find somebody that's going to pay him that $60 million in one lump sum in one season and have that $60 million in cash go to one player under one team's uh, 2023 budget. So what more, more than likely what would happen is whoever trades for him, and this includes the Raiders, uh, you would break that up into maybe two years, two $30 million payments. Or even you know, if you want to give him an extra $10 million, uh, and make it a $70 million guarantee, but split, spread, spread it over two years, $35 million this year, $35 million next year. He gets a little bit more money or the same if it stays at $60 million, but it's paid over two, two, two years. Um, and, and so that makes it much more palatable. You'll, you'd have money to spend uh, under the salary cap to, to address other needs. You wouldn't be paying one p- p- player $60 million uh, for the course of one season. So he understands that that's going to have to happen. And by doing that, it, it almost guarantees that he's going to be here or somewhere else, wherever he gets traded, if that's what happens, for at least two years. And I think if you're the Raiders, you have to get that commitment. This can't be a one-year uh, deal. Um, you can't give up you know, valuable assets, like let's say it's the seventh pick overall, uh, for just one year of Aaron Rodgers. Two years with maybe an option of three, that's, that's much more doable uh, if you're the Raiders, and if I'm the Raiders, I would insist on that. Vinny Monsignor, option number two, Jarrett Stidham. What does your gut tell you about the contract? He's a free agent. What message it would send if he's chosen to be the starting quarterback for the Silver and Black? 
Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily consider him option number two just yet. Um, it would be a little bit further down uh, the list. Uh, but people that I've talked to in the NFL, what would his con- what would his contract look like? Probably about five million dollars a year. Um, you know, uh, on a, on a couple of years, um, he's not going to break the bank anywhere. I don't see many teams out there uh, that are going to be um, you know offering him starter money and come in and compete to be the starter. Uh, someplace else. I just don't think that that's how he's viewed around the league. So it would be a reasonable contract. Uh, but I think right now, uh, if you're the Raiders, and I think there is um, you know, uh, some motivation to bring him back, I, I think right now it would be as the backup, whether it was to an Aaron Rodgers or a Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, or potentially as a, as a stopgap for a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, uh, if it's a C.J. Stroud, let's say, I think C.J. Stroud would probably be the odds-on favorite to start next year with, C, with, with Jared being um, you know, uh, the backup. Or if they trade down and get an Anthony Richardson, maybe Jared becomes the stopgap uh, that that you know holds it down for one season, and then Anthony Richardson takes over uh, the year after that. So there's a lot of different ways you could use Jared Sidham, but if you're saying that he's going to be the starter. Uh, I would imagine that means that there's an Anthony Richardson or a C.J. Mm-hmm. Stroud in the picture as well. All right, Vinny Bonson, yours are guest. So I, my mistake, I don't. these are not my options. These are my categories. So got it, category got it. run was Rodgers, Stidham. Now the category three would be Jimmy G. I had Florio on yesterday. He said mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield or Mac Jones. So if it isn't Rodgers, the quarterback that you think who's a veteran that could figure out this playbook or already knows it, who would you put as the leader in that category? If it wasn't Rodgers and they still wanted to go with the veteran, yes, I think it would be Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. who would be the next on the, on the list. Uh, and he's somebody that you could probably bring in, four-year contract, that, but that's really a two-year contract, um, and, and it wouldn't, you wouldn't have to give up draft capital to get him. It's just money. Uh, and then you, know, you could also draft the quarterback of your future with that seventh pick maybe uh, or, or, or trading down to get an Anthony Richardson or maybe in the second or third round. Uh, so that's, a, that's, a, that's an attractive option. Because when he's healthy, the guy helps you win football games. He understands, um, you know, Josh McDaniels' playbook. He's not going to cost draft assets, just money. So, uh, and can, can come in here and I think satisfy guys like a Devontae Adams and a Darren Waller and, and Josh Jacobs and, and what they need and what they want to see here in these next couple of years. So I think that would be a good option uh, behind an Aaron Rodgers not happening. Vinny B joins us. All right, and then my fourth category is the draft. And very specific question at number seven. I don't think you could stay at seven and get C.J. Stroud and then Bryce Young. So if it is Stroud, knowing Dave Ziegler the way we both do, but not knowing if he's going to pull the trigger or not, if you want the really great quarterback, do you think you have to go up and get him? Would that be a prudent move with the draft equity that they have after giving up the first and second to get Devontae? Yeah, uh, no, I, I think it would, but it would be uh, predicated. They, they'd have to fall in love with him to that extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it's... It's one thing to say, well, you know, if you look at at, at most mock drafts, you know, C.J. Stroud, let's let's say is is going in the top three, top five, right? Uh, just because those mock drafters are saying that doesn't mean Dave Ziegler or Josh McDaniels mm-hmm. thinks along those lines. And I'm not saying that they don't, but they would have to think that they would have to absolutely uh, tell themselves and be bowled over so much that they say, look, we got to get C.J. Stroud. Uh, we got to trade into the third spot or the fourth spot, wherever they feel like they need to get, uh, go to get him. And then that's going to, you know, that's obviously it's going to cost your seventh pick overall, probably maybe even your second round pick or, or a third round pick this year and a future, um, you know, in 2024. Uh, so to do that, 
to be motivated enough to give up what it's going to take to move up to get a C.J. Stroud, you better be have a, a, a strong conviction about a C.J. Stroud. I'm not saying that they have that conviction or they don't have that conviction. I think they're still kind of working their way through that. Uh, but to do that, to make that kind of a move, you better darn well be bowled over and in love with that guy and feel like he's the guy that they, you got to go get. Vinny, any breaking news or any ideas, not breaking news, but any thoughts on how easy it is it's going to be to extend Josh Jacobs, knowing that everybody knows there's a franchise tag available. Most guys don't want the franchise tag. They want fresh, new money, more guaranteed money up front. I was on Radio Row for a week. A lot of people were asking about the quarterback, but right behind it, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, no doubt about it. And obviously the uh, the franchise tag is, is, is a tool. Uh, to be able to use, and you know, if you put him, if if you if you apply the franchise tag, it doesn't mean he's going to play this year um, uh, on the franchise tag. Sometimes that's that's a good way to buy time to figure out a new uh, a, a new deal. And you know, the way the way you can utilize you know bonus money and things like that. Um, you know, put it this way: he's going to count if if he's on the salary cap or if he's on the franchise tag. That's ten million dollars that he means to you in cash and on the salary cap. Well, you can pay him roughly the same amount of money, let's say $12 million, but on your books this year, it might look like $5 million. And so that you, you have more room under the cap by, if, you, if you use um, uh, bonus money to be, able to, to be able to pay some of this year's salary down uh, and prorate over that over the length of the contract. So there's, so there's some benefits to using the franchise tag, but ideally you want to sign him to a, a, a longer-term deal we're able to spread and push out some of that money so that it doesn't count all against your cap right now. So I have a feeling that one way or another it's going to work out uh, with Josh Jacobs, and I think ideally for the Raiders it would be on a, on a, a long-term uh, deal, not just the uh, franchise tag. Vinny, last one, we'll let you go. On the defense overall, I got listeners and people calling in saying the whole thing needs to be blown up other than Max. We know that's not true. Many of these players will be back on defense. It's a question of can you draft younger players behind them to develop them quickly so they can play, and then you're going to bring in free agents. But what do you think? How drastic is this going to be, heavy with the draft and a few free agents, to finally get it right? What former regimes haven't been able to do is get the defense competitive enough so it's somewhere in the 12 to 17 range ranking instead of near the bottom. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, you, uh, you can't sit here and tell me it can't happen. Um, you know, I, I know it's going to take some time, and I know it's not going to get overturned in one off season. There's just been too much bad drafting here uh, for that to happen. But when I look at uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who are starting a slew of uh, um, you know rookie players, uh, quite a few of them on defense and doing well, when I see the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, running five rookies out on defense uh, in the Super Bowl. And, and the majority of those players were players that were uh, taken, you know, well beyond the first round. You can't tell me that it can't be done, that you can't infuse this team uh, with some uh, high-end talent and, and talent that can step in and compete at a pretty high level in year one. And I, I, I just refuse to believe that that's not possible. And obviously that's going to be on Dave Ziegler and his staff, and there's no guarantees uh, in the draft. A lot plays into that, um, including people that you want being where you are when you pick. Uh, but it can happen, and you can make a strong leap forward in one season. It doesn't mean it's going to be a top-10 pick or a, a defense. It might not even be a top-15 defense. But if you can incrementally get better and, and uh, in, in, in big strides, you're, you're really helping yourself out because when you look at that, at that offense and you look at how many close games the Raiders played in this year, and if you can get a better quarterback that's going to be a little bit more efficient and, and help that offense – 
kind of get over the hump in some of the games that they weren't able to get over the hump in last year, that's going to help the defense. Better talent's going to help the defense. And you can win a whole bunch of games. The Raiders were in too many close games last year for me to think that this is miles and miles and miles away. Um, it might be a couple of years away in terms of a dominant defense, but you should be able to build a good enough defense if you get the right quarterback with that offense to be able to win a lot of games. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, uh, but you could get into the playoffs with what they have offensively with the right quarterback and some incremental help defensively. Please tell us about your proud partners as they helped us get out to Radio Row and fuel everything we did for the Super Bowl coverage out in Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. Dos Cotas is, is doing some great things uh, locally, the, the new tequila brand. Uh, and obviously the Realty One group uh, is doing great work in the community. Uh, there's three times more homes uh, on the market right now uh, this year compared to last year. So it's definitely a buyer's market. Take advantage. Give them a call. They'll be able to help you and walk you through uh, a very complicated process, whether you're buying or selling your home. Take care, Vinny. Thanks for the time, as always. Thank you, JT. Vinny Bonsignor. Nice information there on the amount of money that has to be guaranteed, has to clear how you could spread out an Aaron Rodgers contract of $60 million over two seasons or give him more, and you got to get a two-year commitment out of it. I think we all understand that. With the money owed to him, he's got to commit for two seasons if he's going to be a viable option for the Raiders. Well, this kind of blows with the wind. I think I change my mind on this all the time. In theory, I love Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Both of those two, I had them in the same category. Brady, Rodgers, Rodgers, Brady. I love that more than anything else. I love that more than anything else. But Brady's gone, and Rodgers is going dark. He's going to disappear for a couple of days. So those are that two options. Today I'm sensing when I get out of here and head home that, you know, it's more Stidham and a bridge quarterback. But that's just me changing my opinion and telling you about it in real time. I don't know. I might come in here Friday and say, oh, my God, it's Jimmy G. Man, this Jimmy G thing makes sense. I don't know. It's every day just talking out loud and taking your phone calls the rest of the way. We are wide open the rest of the way. If you'd like to get through to the top of the hour before Q comes on, uh, 702-365-9200. Glenn Diesel out. Is that in Oklahoma? How are you? Doing good. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Happy anniversary. Thank uh, you, man. Appreciate you, it. Thank you. Um, so I got two things. Uh, one is I'm all in for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this regime pretty much kind of uh, laid it out to us what their plan was when they gave out the three-year extensions on, you know, Darren Waller, Renfro, Carr, um, signing Devontae Adams to a three-year extension. So they pretty much let us know that the window is now for this team. And so that's why you got to go all in for Aaron Rodgers uh, and maximize that window. Now, if they cannot get that, uh, get Aaron Rodgers or whatever, then I don't like the Jimmy G um, – uh, scenario just for the simple fact of his injury history. I wouldn't uh, put 25, 30 mil into a quarterback and take my chances on if he's going to stay healthy or not. Use that money uh, elsewhere to fill the holes that we need uh, on this team. Rover Stidham. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what I would do is with the seventh pick, is when Will Levis or Anthony, uh, Anthony Richardson you know, falls in the draft, uh, the teams behind us, if they don't get a quarterback in three, see, uh, Commanders or uh, Carolina or whatever, have them move up to seven, get a first or second pick uh, for next year. And then with 11 picks, build heavy on the defensive side, get some offensive line help. Robus did them. We got a good running game and, and with Josh Jacobs. He's got weapons. And let this season play out. And then if we do, you know, uh, go into next season, we won't have to, you know, tank. I hear a lot of tank for Taylor Williams or whatever. 
you got two firsts and two seconds because you traded back, mm-hmm. you won't have to take it. Just play off the season um, how it goes and then go get those, yeah. uh, one I, of those elite quarterbacks for next year. Yeah, I don't want to play off the season because I'm sitting here in February. That means February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Do you understand that? Play out the season. That, that, we haven't even started this upcoming season. And you're saying play it out. And then I got two off seasons. I got a bridge with the season that wasn't good. I, I, I don't want to do that. I, 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 want, I want them to go big. Now you. Hey, what's the which, other than Rand Rogers? Well, what, what is what's big? Well, I think. You're not going to get CJ uh, Stroud or Bryce Young unless you trade up mm-hmm. and give up a lot of assets to get one of those quarterbacks that right now it, it's lukewarm. I yeah. mean, if you hear everybody, it's lukewarm on those quarterbacks. It's not lukewarm on those quarterbacks for next year. So yeah. save that. And if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, okay. then just say, okay, look, we missed out. Let's just play on the season or whatever and go get that quarterback that we have for 10 or 15 years. Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Bo Nix are all elite quarterbacks yeah. coming out next year. Bo Nix. Please, Bo Nix is nowhere near Caleb Williams. There's one quarterback next year that on paper was better than Mahomes, Rodgers, and Brady, and everybody, Lamar Jackson, and that's Caleb Williams, the current Heisman Trophy winner at USC. Now, that guy is beyond elite, beyond elite. Mahomes came out of Texas Tech. No one knew who he was, nobody other than the elite draft analyst who, who were figuring him out. Okay, this guy's much better than Mahomes. I repeat, much better than Mahomes at the same age. Higher ceiling than Mahomes. Turned out Mahomes shattered the ceiling. So did Lamar Jackson and all of that. So you asked me a fair question. I would go all in on Aaron Rodgers if you don't get him. And there's a good chance you're not because he's Aaron Rodgers and he's expensive and he might want to take the easier route in Green Bay. I would trade up from seven because it's the seventh pick overall. So you're giving up seven, which is a high pick, and give up a first rounder next year to go get C.J. Stroud or go get Bryce Young if Bryce Young doesn't go one. And he's, Indianapolis and Houston are going to pick ahead of the Raiders and they're going to get a quarterback. So you got to get in front of one of those two teams. So that's it. Or you just sit back and wait. Just remember, all of you guys, as we say in Goodfellas, all of you guys were calling me today saying, let's just wait, let's get this, let's develop the quarterback. You're not going to be doing that with me week three and week four and week 11 next year. You're going to be yelling at me if the team isn't doing well. So I'm all for taking your time and growing and doing all that. I'm not the year of the Super Bowl in Vegas. I don't want Mark Davis to have to wait more and more years. I'd like to see the Raiders get lucky. How about that? When was the last time we had some luck around here that went well? How about some luck? How about a new skill set in the front office with Dave, which I think is pretty good? And then how about instead of five blown leads in the second half, double digits, how about three come from behind double digits that we were down at the half and come back and win three of that? That's that's my formula, but none of this matters unless the Raiders draft exceptionally well, exceptionally well. Hey, and I'm really impressed with the calls today, man. Really amazing. Good job today. Every caller that called this show had something really passionate and opinionated about, and that's what I love here. That's what I think we have one of the best shows in the country on local radio. When we do what we're doing today, we got strong opinions, and I can go to the calls. And we could sit here and hear from people that are enlightening everybody who's listening. You know, 99% of the people listening can't call. That's why we like the people who can, and they take it seriously, and they come in big. 702-365-9200. Mac, is that Mark or Mac? Uh, Mac in San Mateo. Thanks for waiting. You're up next. Hey, 
Pete. Thanks for taking my call. Um, for me, it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. I mean, what I want to see, I'm just hoping that, you know, even though he doesn't have the no trade clause, he kind of essentially does, right? I mean, he can kind of for- force or dictate where he wants to go, um, or he could just say, I'm walking away. So if that's the case, you know, I, I'm hoping we give no more than a, a, a fir- you know, one, the first, or maybe we flip first with them and give them a later round pick, something like that. But, um, yeah, I don't see any of these quarterbacks coming in that are, you know, uh, as good as Caleb Williams. I, I don't, I don't see it in the draft. I don't know how some of these people talk about the kid, uh, Anthony Richardson. Uh, his completion percentage was terrible this year. Like, I, that, that's a total project. So I don't, I don't see how people would even, you know, that's a boomer bust pick. I want the sure thing. I want, I want Aaron Rodgers in here, and I want to draft predominantly like eighty percent defense. So um, I thought Stidham is definitely serviceable uh, to play behind Rodgers. I hope we sign him back, and you know, if anything were to happen with with uh, Rodgers, at least you know you you know you got a guy who is a pretty decent uh, backup quarterback. So just some of my thoughts. Excellent, thank you. Appreciate it. There's another boomer bust call on Aaron Rodgers. Boom or bust call. Now, as I think back on this special day for me, 25 years ago today, I met my wife as we were strangers. It wasn't a double date. There was no such thing as an app. Nor would I have gone on it. I don't think I would have been in Vegas if I didn't know Raider Mike, who's on hold, and he broke me in as a caller, and I started off as a caller. That led me to Vegas. That led me to that Rolling Stones concert. Raider Mike joins us. Hello, Raider Mike. Good to hear from you. It's an honor. Rick, man, it is always an honor to talk to you, my friend. And yes, we go way back. And, you know, you bring up a great point because nobody represents Sin City better than yourself. And even in your book, uh, you were talking back in the early 2000s, you know, about how you wanted to be there and how you wanted to, to make your name there. Hey, it, it, happy anniversary, by the way. And uh, I hope she's doing well. Um, didn't you guys meet because you crashed the damn stage at that Stones concert? <laughs> we had uh, we had two of us. We had three of us with two tickets. So one had to go in, one had to come out, one had to go in. But yeah, and our, our tickets were right up front. But yeah, one of my buddies got thrown out. Had to buy buy a bottle of Dom to get back in. And here's the hook to the story. I'm so happy you brought it up because you read the book. My buddy Bobby G, who got thrown out of the front row with Jack Nicholson and Chris O'Donnell and all the celebrities, David Spade was there. He was smart enough to realize, Raider Mike, the only way he could get back in is he got a wait. He bought a bottle of Dom champagne and he put it on. He gave it to a waitress and he followed the waitress back into the lower VIP and she brought the bottle of Dom to give to Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. Now, what makes the story better? Tommy Lee was sober. At the time with Pamela, and the next more next the next night, February sixteenth on Entertainment Tonight, Pamela and Tommy Lee broke up because Tommy went off the wagon, and we, he was seen at the Hard Rock carrying the empty bottle of champagne. How about that, dude? That is a classic story, crafty. And uh, I used to pull that ticket switch at Long Beach <laughs> Arena when I was a teenager back in the day. Hey, hey, uh, Mike, hold on one be- second. Hold on one more second. I want you to do something as, as you get in your call because you're the best. You have to put this car era to bed because you were hard on this guy. You personally were one of the great Raider legends of all time. You were hard on him. You were fair on him. I'm dying to know what you think of the end of car. 
Well, first of all, hey, I got to get this out in case we get cut off. I'll be in Vegas this weekend. I'll be there Saturday. I'd love to buy you a beer. I don't know what your schedule is, but I'll get you offline. You know, JT, it's, it's just business with me. You know, I go to games. I spend thousands of dollars to travel. You know, I'm just like every other Raider fan that goes to the games and they walk out of the stadium disappointed and disgusted after losses. And, you know, you can only go so many times and watch a quarterback play poorly or get outplayed by rookies. You know, it's it's just business, my man. And, And I talked about this before. The big thing about Derek Carr is we had no hope. You know, we, we knew what we, we knew what we were getting. And, you know, hats off to Ziegler and, and the coach. You know, they, they put their trust in them. They put their faith in them. You know, it, it, people are hindsighting it, killing these two guys because they extended Carr, and that, and that, that probably cost us a, 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 a complimentary pick. But, you know, they had to show some faith in them. You know, it, it's just, hey, you know, I wish the guy the best luck. I personally think it's a puncher's chance he's going to retire. I don't see him playing anymore. Why should he? He's got a boatload of money. He could retire and, and, and hang out with his church. He's got a great family. He could, only, he could only make things worse for him by going to play for a team like the Jets or the Panthers, although the Jets are coming on good. Uh, one more thing. You know, I keep looking at Stidham's performance in those last two games, and, and, you know, it surprised the hell out of me. But I'll tell you, and James Jones was on, a, was on a show one time, and he said this. He said, if the Raiders had that type of performance, that quarterback, and by the way, Stidham was 8-16 of 16 on third down. They held the ball for over 30 minutes in that Kansas City game. If they had that type of performance, that quarterback, the entire season, we're in the playoffs, bro. We are in the playoffs, and I love Aaron Rodgers, and I think right now with Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders are a playoff team. they got a puncher's chance. But do you want to spend the money? Do you want to spend that draft pick? I'd rather see him work the offensive line and build that monster offensive line that Philly had because that's how you handle Kansas City. You hog the ball like hell with a running quarterback and a monster offensive line. I think with a with the, with the big offensive line, they've already got a cornerstone and a left tackle, so to speak, that that's a great step in the direction of helping the defense. But, it, but either way, JT, and I'm, I'm running along, I know mm-hmm. it's got to be best player. You've got to go best player. You can't, you can't let that number one pick go for anybody. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Raider Mike, everyone. Wow. Honored to talk to him again. My whole thing started with him. He, when I started calling Jim Rome, Raider Mike was a regular caller, and he was the guy calling on behalf of the Raiders. He was the Raider caller representing the smack-off when I came in and won it. So Raider Mike and I go back a long way. And he's in Texas, and I look forward to seeing him this weekend. No doubt about it. 702-365-9200. He says, guard that draft pick and don't give it away. Very important point. You know, I'm sitting here before the call saying, trade up and give up another first round to move up too with that draft pick. It's compelling, and we're talking about it. We are brought to you by Modelo. I always have a bucket of Modelos on a Friday. How about the weather yesterday and today? Maybe half a bucket today, huh? There's two names I'm watching, and it's not Jimmy Garoppolo either. Number one, will he try to trade for Mac Jones? Remember, at the end of the season, Bill Belichick was asked whether or not Mac Jones was going to be the starter for the Patriots next year, and instead of like rolling his eyes and, and, and harumphing, he said he's proven he can play in this league. He didn't say Mac Jones is our starter next year, and Mac Jones did pretty well with McDaniels in 2021. 
The other guy to watch, a guy that McDaniels loved coming out of the draft in 2018, a guy McDaniels secretly worked out his days before the draft, even though the Patriots weren't in position to get him, and a guy that McDaniels got to stand on the sideline and watch come back from a 16-3 deficit after two days with the Rams, Baker Mayfield. I'm keeping a close eye on him. Baker Mayfield. My son goes to Oklahoma where Baker went to Oklahoma and won the Heisman. I've always been a big Baker fan. I don't, I'm not apologizing for that. Baker was the first pick overall. He won. A, he went to the playoffs. He won a playoff game. And he didn't make it to the end of his rookie contract. We're not talking about Baker Mayfield as long as, as old as Jimmy Garoppolo or other players there. Could he be a viable option here? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think it is. I don't think Baker's coming here, okay? So I don't. And if, 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 I'm, if he does come here, Florio's getting all the credit, and we're saving that. But if he came here, Baker Mayfield was a Raider. I mean, you want to talk about the moxie of a Raider? Right? That's Baker Mayfield. Rebel coming in. Everyone think he can do it. Comes in. Again, where would you put Baker Mayfield compared to Rich Gannon? Journeyman backup quarterback from Kansas City and Minnesota. Journeyman. Turned out Rich became a great friend of all ours. The Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, number one pick overall. They'd be in the same ballpark. It wouldn't be a reach. But, again, I don't think Baker's probably going to be that guy. Uh, We're looking back. Remy Martin, thanks a lot for all this. They invited us to a great party with Zed, who's the great DJ, who is the house residency DJ over at Zook Nightclub at Resorts World. So Remy Martin had a big party. And my friends at Tau... And Remy Martin, who put it on, the great Jersey Joe Haro, who everybody knows in town, former running back for the UNLV running Rebels. What a party I went to the Saturday night before. I regretted going to that party as I was driving through the desert on Sunday, but it was a really good time. Howard Balls are kind enough to join us, the Hall of Fame voter and great friend of the show. And Howard, I was just talking about the great trip to Phoenix. Waste management, by the way, to coincide with the Super Bowl. That made the lead-up to the game on Sunday one of the best lead-ups I've ever seen with that golf tournament. Yeah, it really was. And, of course, it's, a, it's a, an unbelievable event every year. But certainly in conjunction with the Super Bowl, it was went went you know far and away above it. And you mentioned all the towns. I mean, there wasn't a t- there wasn't a town in the Phoenix area that wasn't involved in some way. And of course, TPC is in Scottsdale, which of course is always a go-to destination with the restaurants and everything they have there. So it's a, a big city, a big area, and I, I thought overall it was it, it really did the Phoenix area proud with with everything that went on. And obviously, it culminated in an unbelievable game. Let's get into the game and the tale of two halves. What you thought Philadelphia did in the first half there, they really had Kansas City on the ropes, especially when Mahomes went out late. I think settling for the field goal going into halftime and not taking a shot in the end zone. And then after that, I just think Philadelphia gave their best effort in the first half, and they didn't seem to be the same team in the second half. How did you see it? Yeah, well, they definitely were in Kansas City. Obviously, the Chiefs played a lot better in the second half. I don't know that there was any specific changes that they made or anything like that but you know the one thing about the Chiefs is that with Patrick Mahomes I mean we've seen them come from behind before in playoff games and so I don't know that anybody thought that they were out of this certainly it was key the way the second half began because you know they had deferred they got the ball to start the second half and they went down and scored a touchdown who knows what would have happened if if they hadn't scored there but certainly that gave them a lot of confidence uh, the, the you know the defense, you know, did a little bit better job in the second half, and it was just one of those slug fights, really, and a lot of points scored. 
JT, this is only the fourth time in Super Bowl history that both teams have scored 30 points in, in the game. And so uh, that you know, it gave everybody everything they were hoping for and expected. And just, just, just a tremendous night in that regard. And the Eagles just you know, had the ball last. I mean, the Chiefs had the ball last. And that ended up being the big difference. Howard Balls was our guest. So, Howard, what do you think was the difference with Kansas City's offensive line? Because they were okay and good, but they had up-and-down games this year, and almost everybody swung and missed on this leading up to the game. I, like many, thought that the Eagles' defensive line was at least going to outplay the offensive line of Kansas City. That wasn't the case. Kansas City dominated them in the second half. Were you expecting that? What did you see on tape? Yeah, I think that that line's a very good line. And it was together all year, both lines. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of people, you know, talking about the Eagles, maybe one of the better offensive lines in football, and it is. Uh, but the Chiefs are no slouch, and they have a lot of good players on that line. I think that uh, they certainly got it together, and they were throwing a lot of quick stuff in the second half. You know, they opened up with some running plays to maybe soften things uh, a little bit, and Mahomes was was spot on, and that that was a big factor, I think, especially with his ankle in the second half, and the line just did a good enough job to protect him because he was getting rid of the ball so quickly with, you know, with throws to the, to the running back. They didn't take that many deep shots and throws to the backs, throws to, you know, whoever, whoever he found could be open. So I think overall that, that line, which has been very, very good all year, played about as well as they could in that second half. And, you know, some people have surmised, JT, that perhaps the field conditions affected uh, the Eagles' defensive line, and that's why they weren't able to get to Mahomes. But Mahomes is pretty mobile, and I thought they did get get to him with some pressure. But he did a very good job on a lot, on numerous occasions, of escaping it and you know throwing an incompletion or throwing something quick, even if it was just a few yards. And so they avoided those negative plays, and include including JT. They didn't have a turnover in the entire game, so uh, that was certainly a big factor. Howard Balls was our guest. The Jalen Hurts fumble came out of nowhere. If it was a strip sack, I think it changes the way I look at that game. I still can't understand how that ball came out. If you look back at Super Bowl history, which I know you do, I can't recall a time where a quarterback dropped the ball on his own that led to a seven-point swing in a Super Bowl game unless they were hit at the line of scrimmage and the ball came out there. Very unfortunate for Jalen, who I think played a Mount Rushmore game in a losing capacity as the losing quarterback, I don't know if you'll see games like that going forward. He was almost brilliant. No, he was. He was. He wasn't almost brilliant. He was. Yeah. I mean, he and and I thought that the Eagles didn't run the ball that well, and they didn't run it very often uh, with their backs. You know, Hertz. You know, had seventy rushing yards, and that was a big bulk of what the Eagles had. And so that that was one thing that maybe you know some thought that they would run it a little bit more. There were some who thought that it looked like maybe he was trying to switch switch the ball from one hand to another, and that's what you know, led to, you know, led to the fumble. But obviously that was a huge play because, you know, at halftime they had 14 points and down 10. And without that touchdown, I mean, the, the Eagles at halftime, they had like 270 yards and the Eagles only had 128. They possessed the ball for almost 22 minutes in the first half. And, and they were just dominating in that first half. And like I said, I think that when the Chiefs were able to come out and get the ball at their own 25 and drive down the field for that, touchdown to cut the lead to three that was perhaps the most the most important possession of the game Howard Balls was our guest you know Howard you're in the room you vote for the Hall of Fame and it's obviously Andy Reid and Mahomes 
and Kelsey are locks. If we go back in time to the greatest tight ends of all time, where do you have Kelsey? Kellen Winslow Jr. You go to the modern players, it's Gronk. Tony Gonzalez didn't play in big games, in big playoff games of the Super Bowl. And it looks like Kelsey's going to have three or four years left of putting up enormous postseason numbers. We know the numbers in the regular season are impressive. The older he gets, those will probably start to shrink a bit. But what he does in the postseason to change momentum, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody better. No, and, and so many times, and a lot of it is just being on the same wavelength with Mahomes, and it's like he always knows where he's going to be. And what was interesting in this game Sunday, of course, is he didn't do a whole lot in the second half. And other guys that, you know, new players stepped up and make plays and made plays, and especially those, you know, two short touchdowns on the reverse motion uh, were big. And so, you know, the Chiefs utilized all their players. And so, uh, I think that, that that was certainly a big factor. But, you know, Kelsey's among the, like you said, among the best ever. And it will be, you know, we're going to have Antonio Gates uh, becoming uh, eligible next year. A few years after that, it'll be Jason Witten. But, you know, Kelsey is just with all the big games and all, all the different things he can do. I don't know if he's as physically gifted as some of those other tight ends, but all he does is produce. Yeah, as we wrap it up, I ran into Darrell Rivas at a party, and I said, first ballot, what a career. He really appreciated it. And Zach Thomas, is there anything you could tell us, not so much real private stuff behind the scenes, but this class in general? Because there are people from Deion Sanders who think only the super elite should be Hall of Famers. Then there are other guys who have to wait a long period of time. What was the big story around this class? And maybe you could tell our listeners about Don Coriel, the young ones who don't know anything about him and how great of a coach he was. Yeah, it was interesting that uh, Saturday was the anniversary of when he was fired uh, by Cardinals owner, St. Louis Cardinals owner, Bill Bidwell, you know, after having some real good seasons. But they had a step-back year in that final season, and Coriel was unhappy with, with the draft and not drafting defensive players. But an unbelievable you know, innovator, and then it went, he went on from San Diego from there had to do all those great things with Air Coriel, with Fouts and Joyner and Man, what a, what a team that was. So well-deserving, something that should have happened a long time ago, and unfortunately he's passed on. But uh, great to see him uh, finally, uh, you know, finally get noticed. I think the big thing with this class, uh, JT, and I always say this, when you go in with that final 15, you could pick just about any five, and it would be a great class. But mm-hmm. to me, the real story of it is that there were the three receivers, three wide receivers for the second straight year were finalists. And none of them uh, got in. And we've got Larry Fitzgerald coming up. There's only two more classes before he becomes eligible. And so it's been tough to break. There always seems to be log jams at wide receiver. And it's happened over the years. It happened about a little over a decade, about a decade ago with Andre Reed and Chris Carter and Tim Brown. And finally, when the first one went in, they, the, the other two followed the next year and then the year after. So everyone's wondering, when the first shoe is going to drop with the wide receiver. Because Steve Smith is sitting on the outside. He's been a semifinalist the last two years. He hasn't cracked the top 15 yet. So I'm going to be curious how this, how this all plays out. Because everyone agreed that they were all worthy. But then I think what happens, and all three of those guys, JT, made the initial reduction to 10. And there was the feeling that, oh, well, one of them is going to get in then. But the reality probably is that they split votes. And because of that, that none of them got enough to move on to the top five. So I think that was – obviously, I don't want to take away from the class because it is a great class. And, you know, Zach Thomas, 10 years of eligibility and 
you know, he gets in, Rondé Barber, an excellent corner. But sometimes the story is guys who aren't, who ha- didn't get in, and the wide receivers are always a tough nut because of the numbers that these guys have put up over the last several decades. And a lot of it started with Don Coryell. Hall of Fame voter Howard Balls, and one more general football question. The quarterback carousel, now as we go into the offseason, a sense of where Derek Carr goes after, you know, I thought you know, he exercised his no-trade clause. He had the right to do that. The Raiders deactivated him the last two games. Maybe a trade could have came about. Carr said no. He wants to be a free agent. And then Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo. Just a couple of quick thoughts on the way out with the quarterbacks that are going to move in the offseason. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. It was kind of a, busy, a very busy year last last year, last offseason. I think we're going to see more of that uh, this year. You can throw Baker Mayfield in there. What's what's going to happen with Sam Darnold? And, and again, I'm not putting them up in the elite of quarterbacks, mm. but there's still going to be a bunch of guys uh, looking for jobs. And so where, where Carr is going to end up, I mean, he obviously wants the ability to negotiate with any team and not just have it come down to one team that wants to trade for him because that complicates it with giving up draft picks. So you're, you're, a free, you're a free agent, free and clear, with no money encumbered in there, and you can negotiate the best deal for what you think is the best fit for you. wouldn't surprise me if it, if it ends up being the Saints, but I think you mm-hmm. could you know, come up with a few different you know, places for him to be. And then, of course, it's, the big question is what do the Raiders do at the position? You know, there's a few other questions, a few other teams that are going to be looking at that group, you know, very closely, and in terms of bringing in somebody for for the 2023 season. Always appreciate our time together, Howard. Thank you very much. My pleasure, JT. Anytime. Take care. Always good to talk to Howard Balls of the Hall of Fame voter. And look, there's a lot happening, and he wants to talk about the Raiders with us. He covers Arizona. I think Arizona's got to. They made their head coaching hire, but they got to get Kyler Murray focused and to become a better leader. And leadership's really important at the quarterback position. Vinny Bonsignor, we thank him. Tomorrow we should have a Golden Knights guest. Johnny Katz is going to join us on entertainment at some portion in the next two days. And more on the Raider quarterback scenario and what they're going to do and any other breaking news that happens in the NFL. We're coming off the Super Bowl, so you're going to hear more sports outside the NFL. More Golden Knights. March Madness is coming to Vegas. The NBA. Everything that you expect to cover on a sports talk show. Q Myers on deck. He's right here. He'll do a great show as always. And we'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks, Bobby. Great show today. Great calls today. Thank you, everyone.